You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Fighter and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's C. Sparky Fiverr, 1250 AM, The Fan, on a Sunday night recording, doing a post-podcast uh, for numerous reasons. One, my kid is six, so I'm going to have to stay home tomorrow. Ryan Horvath, who's normally my co-host from BetMGM Tonight, uh, can't do it tonight, so I called in uh, the reserves and my guy, Jacob Morley, who told me I was going to be on the Pack-A-Day podcast one day. Still not there. Uh, he joins me now on <laughs> Twitter, uh, from Twitter at uh, Jacob Morley. I love my guy from the Packer Report, Pack-A-Day podcast. Uh, okay, so the Packers win 20-3. to um, I have a ton of notes that we can go over. Uh, before we get into all of that, I, I guess I'm calling this the Aaron Jones comeback game because this is really the first time we've seen true usage of Aaron Jones since week one. Yeah, uh, with the fumble included in everything, right? Of course, you got to have a fumble. You're talking yeah, about Aaron Jones. Like, I'm on green, same thing. Yep, yeah. And you're right. And I think uh, I think it was RG3, actually. You know, Robert Griffin, that tweeted it out today. That was just talking about what that does for the quarterback and then obviously what that does for the rest of the offense. Uh, when you get your your best player on offense involved, 24 touches today. Uh, did Aaron Jones do anything jaw-dropping? No. But more often than not, when you give Aaron Jones the ball, at least something negative isn't happening, right? And that's kind of been the crux of this Packers team is can we just avoid the negative stuff? I mean, can we – can we get away from being in third and 15 every other drive? It seems like, and if you go back and watch it, it is, it's little things like that, that they were able to do to kind of just as LaFleur likes to say, to stay on schedule. Um, and they did a good job of that today, even with uh, the two, you know, the unbelievably boneheaded fumble by Wicks. And then just the Aaron Jones puts the ball on the ground every once in a while. With that said, Everything we're going to talk about tonight, Steve, is going to be, yeah, but it was it was Brett Ripon and the and the Rams, seven seven nothing. 
it felt like that game was over, right? Like, did, like as soon as, as like bad as the Packers, a, it should have been a blow. Oh, yeah, what it should have been. And and once it was seven three at halftime, I think a lot of Packers fans just in the back of your head, you're like, well, this seems pretty good in the second half. And once again, they were, and they kind of extended the lead. You know, set, what was the final twenty to three final yep. score? That's it's not quite a blowout, but it kind of is for this team. And you know, the, just the the year of weirdness, I guess, just kind of continues with this group because I think a lot of people are kind of trying to figure out what to make, what to make of that game because a win is a win is a win. Like, and when you lose four in a row, you'll take any wins that you can get. But I almost, there's a contingent of people that are like, eh, should they just lose? <laughs> like, should they just lose? Would no, it be I'm better to there. just lose? Mm-hmm. And I'm not either. And I'm not, I'm and not I never, either. I never am. And for two reasons, one, it doesn't matter what we think. Right. So might as well cheer for your team to win. And two, I just think losing is contagious. You know, mm-hmm. losing begets more losing. And that's how you kind of see these teams that always are looking towards the future. And they kind of have that hope, that that glimmer of hope or whatever. But hope usually never arrives, right? And you need to make sure you are kind of creating your own luck in this league. And you are putting things down on tape week in and week out that you can build off of um, that – that is your building block for the future, not just, well, we hope these young guys get better. We hope they get better. And, and that is that is a true statement for this team. You do hope they get better. But if you're putting that hope in the fact that they ran fast at the combine, that's not great. You want to see it on the field. And I think today you saw some of those glimpses from the young talent on this team, including Jordan Love. Played, played a really good game today. Was he all pro? No. Was he above average? Yeah. And I think some people are going to be really happy when they see his PFF grade tomorrow. If you put st- stock, if you put stock in that, um, I'll let people discover that on their own, but I do have a little birdie that has told me that it, it could potentially be his highest graded, you know, game of his career. And you kind of take that information too, Steve. And you say, really, <laughs> that's, that's his best. Yeah, kind of. That's kind of where we're at right now. You know, and I, again, he had one bad throw to Watson where he underthrew him. Um, uh, he The other one he underthrew Watson too, but Watson made a great catch. But for the most part, you know, I was talking about this with my kid today, and he's like, ah, yeah, every throw I look up, he's not very good. I was, and again, he's a Falcons fan, so, you know, he's bitter about the Falcons losing to the Vikings today. So we're right with that. Desmond Ritter. What is he, oh, what is he watching? <laughs> he wants Arthur Smith fired. He told me today if Arthur Smith gets a contract extension, he'll be a Packer fan. It's Arthur. So they find a new head coach. He is so hacked up. He wow. wanted Desmond Ritter out of there after the week two or week three. When Heineke got that job, my kid was throwing a party. Okay, besides that, th- this is my thing, is that – it, it's going to be hard to evaluate, and we know that, and I understand that. And Goody did this to himself, right? He did this to Jordan Love. He did this to Matt LaFleur. He didn't set him up for success. He set him up for exactly what they're going through. He made the determination of, I'm fine not being very good and letting all of these young skill players grow with their quarterback and for it to work out. What hacks me off is I had to watch Rasheed Walker for how many weeks not be good, and not even attempt to play Yash Nyman. Then you finally play him last week, and now, okay, 
Left tackle's up for grabs. Obviously, Yash Nyman's going to get that job before being fair. So Yash Nyman goes out there. Yash Nyman played fairly well. And then what happens? Yash Nyman gets hurt. Yeah. And back trots out there, Rasheed Walker again. John Runyon stinks. And now I have to watch John Runyon out there. I want somebody to explain this to me. And I haven't seen the presser. I've been running around all day trying to put my Christmas trees up. And it's been a day, let me tell you. But why, why, why was Sean Ryan put in there inside the five early in that game when they eventually scored with Aaron Jones and then yanked immediately and running was put back in the damn game. Now, what was the point of that? It wasn't just the five either. Steve. It was that whole drive. Was he uh, in there they, the whole they, drive? They pulled, yeah. The, the one touch, the t- one touchdown drive of the first half. Yeah. You saw a big 75 playing right guard and you can go look at my Twitter timeline because as soon as he was in the game, um, and we were tipped off to this by our buddy, you know, Jacob Westendorf, who was at the game. and was like, hey, Runyon Jr. is in the medical tent and he's not going back in the game. And so we we're kind of trying to figure out, like, well, is he hurt or is this like a true benching? I think it was just kind of one of those weird things. They were checking up on him and they just were like, let let the, let the kid have some run. But you go watch that drive and he's moving bodies in the run game like you have not seen for this team. And that includes 99 on their team. I mean, he is he is a strong 99 who split Runyon and Myers yeah. by himself and got that sack on Jordan Love later in the game. Yeah. Who if you watch that, like I just got done watching some of the all 22. And if you watch that, if uh if Romeo doesn't fall on his break, that's a that's a walk-in touchdown, too. And and that is just kind of the story of this Packers team. But yeah, no, I I don't get the why Sean Runyon is is not getting an extended look, you know, could that be man that he, he just played the best eight snaps that they have seen out of him in green Bay and they don't trust him out there. Sure. But going back to Billy Turner playing like left tackle on the NFC, like this team has really not done a good job of evaluating their own talent, especially at the offensive line position. And that is, that's with giving them their flowers with how well that they do. They have developed some of these guys but they have not always played them in the best position or always played the best five. Like that is something that's gone back since Lafleur has been here. And so I, I want to see like, is it a fair, is it a fair competition when you now Sean running is going to have that on film. And if they saw what I saw, I don't know how you go back to John running jr. I'm sorry. Like I get, he's a veteran. I get, he's played a ton of games for the Packers. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, John. But Right now, you look like the Packers' third best guard, and right. I want to see what the I want to see what the young kid out of UCLA has, who, mind you, was a higher pick than John Runyon Jr., a top one hundred pick. They liked this kid enough to take him in the third round. Play him, like what are we waiting on? Are we waiting on? I mean, are we waiting on the offense to be good and then play him? Like, I mean, we sometimes you got to solve some of your own problems with a little bit of aggression, and that would be an aggressive move. And we saw it with Yash. Um, and of course he got hers. I will say Rashid played better today after he was benched. Mm-hmm. He did. But 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 still, Yash, like if 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 John Runyon Jr. is playing because he's a veteran and has played a lot of snaps, then why the hell isn't Yash playing? Correct. Right? Like it makes no sense at all. So I don't really understand what they're doing there. I did have someone kind of I don't remember who it was. We were just talking about like they're hoping, you know, in a lot of this stuff, we talk about Goody setting this team up kind of to fail. And I really think if you would get some truth serum in Goody and LaFleur, they would say, 
we wanted to go young this year. We knew absolutely what might happen. We yep. knew what might happen. For sure. It's happening. Yep. And that's why we wanted to see Rashid Walker because there's a chance that he could be our left tackle of the future um, with two more years under team control on a seventh round contract. Like that would be nice, but it looks like it's not it. It looks like no. that's not it. So yeah, uh, that's just kind of where we're at. I mean, at this point, it's you're drafting two tackles early. I would think in next year's draft, your first round pick is probably a left tackle if you can find one. And then you take another tackle and maybe the third round to protect yourself in case the first round doesn't work out at that point. And if they both work out, great. Then Zach Tom can go to guard or center, mm-hmm. whatever, um, and play him. Now, let's stick with John running for just for a little second. I don't think in my time, and I've watched football a long time, I can ever remember a neutral zone infraction on a damn offensive lineman. Not not just one time in a game, two times in a game nice. on the same damn dude. Like, I'm sorry, Jacob Morley. That I was, I'm first of all, again, putting up Christmas trees. So I'm kind of watching. And then we're running because I have way too many Christmas trees. I love them, but either way, running to the shore sheds. I'm listening on the radio, putting up trees. So I kind of got in the background. Then I get a hold of you and do the podcast. Sounds good. So I'm literally watching the game, fast forwarding in between plays to get ready for the podcast. Watch it all one more time to make sure I have everything. I don't understand how you can be. He's a guard. He's not a tackle. He's not a tight end. He's not split out at wide receiver. He's next to the damn football. How do you screw that up, Jacob Marley? He didn't. That's my. He didn't. I don't think he was offsides either time. I think I saw someone had a stat like the whole point of emphasis thing. The only thing I'll get John Runyon Jr. on is if they got you the first time, then you need to change because well, you have time, to they call it on him, though. They call well, it on Josh. Yeah, which is bizarre because he was not even close. Correct. So I don't know what that was about. But uh, so, yeah, that's kind of what Twitter decided. Right. Was it was on Runyon Jr. He admitted time, it so. was on him after yeah. the game. Runyon and, said he didn't know the first one was on him until somebody told him afterwards. Yeah, and his explanation was the officials are – it's a point of emphasis for the tush push. They're trying to – the NFL is doing everything they can to try to phase that out of the game for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but they're basically – and the Packers got the, the the blunt end of the stick today with it. Because if you go back and watch, I mean – and I think the official even said it on the broadcast. Like on technicality, sure, you can call that. But – I think he even brought up, he goes, since like 2017 to 2022, there were eight offsides penalties called in the NFL on the offense. And the Packers got two in one day. So it's, I don't know. Um, it's There's just a lot to be frustrated with. I'm frustrated that he didn't make any adjustments the second time, and they did it again. The second time was actually close. Like, I could see how they'd be like, ah, okay. But the first time I just thought was a, a really bad call. But in any case, I mean – you got to adjust. You got to know like, Hey, if, if it's being called this, this way, I have to, I have to adjust my play style. But like, imagine, I mean, I don't know what the stat line would have looked like if they had both of those, those both essentially were turnovers. Mm-hmm. I mean that the, the, the officials caused two turnovers because <laughs> they were both on fourth down and they mm-hmm. converted both times. So uh, it's, it's really tough. So you could chalk that up to the Packers won this game 30 to 20 with four turnovers. And that's probably why it looked the way it did. Just crazy. All right, let's talk about a couple of guys on the defense. Actually, more than a couple of guys on the defensive side of the ball. Carrington Valentine. Hey, yo, he played well. He did, and he's got that Jair swagger clear as day. 
uh, watching him out there with the finger wag and everything else he had going on in that game. But he played well. This is more like we saw from him in preseason. Because right. previous to this, he hasn't played all that well in the regular season. But now he gets a full week time to get ready. Knows this is his gig. Go be that guy. And he was that guy today. Yeah, I think you nailed it right there. Knew it was his gig. Had a week to get ready. I don't care what anyone says. If you get thrust into a game, you know, inexperienced, you could struggle, especially at that position. The fact that he had the week to prepare, he talked about it after the game, talked about watching film, talked about knowing what Puka was all about and talking about rising to the challenge. And he did. And that's exciting stuff. Now, can he stack that success and do it again next week versus Pittsburgh? Right. Like that's now the next challenge. And uh, but it's a, it, it's it was exciting, to say the least. I think uh, I don't know if he gave up a completion. And he was targeted a bunch. He was. I think he had like two or three pass de- passes passes defended. Uh, he's an exciting young player. There's, you know, when he came out of Kentucky, he was a kid that I thought, and I think a lot of people thought he could be like kind of in that conversation to be a top 100 ish type player, middle of the draft, and he just was sitting there in round seven. Um, and I think with him, it, it was interesting because I, the, the knocks on him really were like, hey, can he play Can he play in zone? He really just was a press man type guy at Kentucky. And he has zero, like, negative ball skills. <laughs> like, he is, you know, he is out there with brick hands. And you kind of saw it, and that's not a knock on him. That's just kind of the nature of the beast for some of those corners. And you saw it. He, he should have had a pick. The ball was right in his hands, and sure he just kind of didn't, didn't catch it. But it doesn't matter if you can play like that. You know, as long as nobody's catching it, I'll take it. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Jair, too, played his best game of the season today, I thought. And you could tell that he's looking healthier. Um, so that's exciting. That's that's a great development. If both those guys are going to play like that down the stretch. And the other development, too, is, you know, since we're on the topic of the secondary, the other seventh round pick, Anthony Johnson, Jr. at Iowa State. Liked it. Really oh, liked what he put on tape. Got that and, pick off of the Jair tip, too. Yeah. Which, you know, that play is made by Jair, but Steve, how many times have we seen somebody drop that? You know, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, there's the ball, let me just fumble it, or, you know, whatever. So, you know, Johnny on the spot, he's still going to get tested more. Um, but, you know, I thought he played really, really, a really nice game. He also had that uh, that incompletion that he caused where he put his, you know, put his helmet on the football, came in, flying around. And that, that was really the thing about him uh, coming out of Iowa State is when you turned on his tape, man, like he was flying to the ball like he's one of those guys that he's off the screen and then he's a blur on the screen to the football and that stuff and I'm not comparing I'm not going to compare him to Nick Collins but I'm going to because he's got that 36 on and he just plays like that you know he's got a long 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 way to go before he is even close to as good as the other two 36s that have been in Green Bay and I get it it is one game Um, but it's encouraging and and can he as well stack success and can he get better? Because I think, you know, who knows? Well, I, who knows if you'll even start next week? Cause Rudy, Rudy Ford has actually been solid this year mm-hmm. and Jonathan Owens had a big play today. So, you know, they're getting some decent play from these, you know, I don't want to call them scrap heap guys, but that's kind of what they were. Rudy Ford was kind of a middle of the season acquisition. Jonathan Owens was kind of a guy that just was out there. Uh, and honestly, I'd rather see those guys than the first round pick that they have. That they Jonathan Owens is known more for Simone Biles than for Jonathan Owens. Yes, let's be honest. yes he is. I mean, yep. It sucks, but that's kind of what it is. I, I, I want to say something else here. And Bagger fans may get pissed at me. 
I don't think anybody's going to notice that Kenny Clark is out. I don't. And regardless of how long he's out, and we'll see. Um, not that I want him to be out. I want him to be on the field. But when he went down, I was like, I'm actually okay with this. I mean, Brooks has been playing well all year. He played well again today. And now Wooten, or whatever his name is, he played well. He had a big run stop in that game, too. So from that aspect, these two guys both playing now and setting Kenny Clark, I'm actually okay with this. Kenny Clark hasn't, in my opinion, been consistently a force week to week, just like he wasn't consistently a force last year week to week. And it's been the same thing here. These young guys are hungry. They want to prove themselves. They got something to play for. Um, I'm excited to see what these two guys do kind of going forward if Kenny Clark is going to miss some time. I'll say I love Kenny, right? But he is – they're. I mean, the Packers have a, a decision to make about him, truthfully, coming up because he's getting really expensive. And he's still a younger player. I mean, that's the joke, right? Is, oh, Kenny Clark finally just turned 17 or whatever it is because he yeah, is – playing. I mean, he was like, like 12. He was, yeah, yeah, he was like 19 when he was drafted or, you know, whatever. Uh, he was 17 it, it does, when they drafted him, wasn't he? No, no, not that young. Not no. that young. I don't and I'm getting him confused with Braylon Allen of the Badgers, who's been 17 for Braylon Allen. Yeah. There was a guy a long time ago that was drafted by the Texans that was like 18 or 17 when they drafted. Like something really? stupid like that. Yeah. Wow. He All didn't right. turn out. He ended up not being good. But anyways, uh, Kenny, like the thing with him the last couple of years, and I made this not, not to say joke, but with a couple guys I text, it's like, oh, it's about time for Kenny Clark's midseason injury that we kind of explain away why he kind of faded down the stretch it seems like that's been his story the last couple of years like start really hot uh people talk about people start mentioning the all pro name and then about week eight nine ten rolls around and he, i mean he hasn't been able to stay healthy and he's a guy that i would like to see his level of play be sustained when he does get kind of the dings and stuff like that um easy for me to say sitting here right but uh, yeah, I, I don't. I think you're right. I will say this though. I think this game, the way they were up, was tailor made for uh, Brooks and Wooden, because both of those guys are under under undersized T tackles who can get after the quarterback. That's kind of their mo. That's kind of Devonte Wyatt's mo as well. Who did he even play today? You know, that's every time. Like I have this running joke on every time I start to believe in Devonte Wyatt, he just disappears because I was not. Yep. I was not a big fan of his coming out of Georgia, you know, the, and then the week one game in Chicago where he just wrecked the game. I'm like, okay, I'm happy to be wrong on this one. And, and then he's, he's put together like quietly a good season. If you look at like his pass rush win rate, he's in the top 10 for in, interior guys, which is nice, but the Rams interior offensive lines are really, really bad. And so I was hoping, I was like, man, this guy, like we should see, another version of Aaron Donald on the other side of the field. If he is who, you know, some people say he is. And I don't know if he even registered a stat today. So uh, there's that as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the youth that they have at the defensive tackle position might be just what they have moving forward. And that's, you know, throw TJ Slayton in there too, who's kind of going to be, you know, in line for more snaps on early downs if Kenny's not out there. So uh, you know, yeah. And, and so big opportunity for these guys. Kenny Clark, I looked up at Spot Track. Got a twenty-seven point four million cap hit next year, mm-hmm. with dead cap number of twenty-four point two. So they save like three million if they cut him. But then he's a free agent after that because then it's just three void yeah. years. So he's a free agent really in twenty-five, and that's uh, so and it's really one more year, I mean, and then yeah. you're then you're clear of him one more year well, next year, and then you free want, up all that money. 
or do you extend him and no. even that out? Like, I think that's the choice that they're going to have to make is do we give him another three-year deal? I don't know. And I, th- I think that's why it's a tough choice. And they just traded away Rasul Douglas. And the idea was, well, he's not going to be on our next team. Right. That is good. Right. So yep. maybe Kenny's a guy that they looked, I don't know. I'd have to look at the contract. They could just get nuked if they trade him too. So I don't, I really don't know, but uh, odds are he plays out one more season in green Bay and then, yep. They'll make that decision when when they need to. Yeah, I bet you it's one more year and then he's gone. But we'll see how that all plays out. All right. How about McDuffie, though? I mean, Mm -hmm. again, you know, he he gets a chance to play. And I'll be honest, I haven't been all that impressed with that dude. Um, He just feels like a typical backup rotational type player. But he made a couple impact plays today, too. Yeah, he's a guy that I think he's he is a guy that you like in the run game. You like on first and second down and you prefer not to play him on third. Yep. Uh, but he played and, and that's what we saw today is he was really active in the run game, but he's also the guy and I'm going to sound like analytics guy here, but he's the reason you don't take someone like Quay Walker at 20, because is there that much of a drop off with him and Isaiah McDuffie? You know, that position, you can just you can find guys that can do that. And if Quay was Fred Werner, sure. But the risk reward of that is just so, so bizarre. and. You know, when they when they drafted Quay, I like Quay and I th- I liked him as a prospect. But when they took him at 20, I was kind of like, oh, like I knew they liked him. I didn't know they liked him that much. Right. So um, we'll see. And, and from what I've heard is people are like, well, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like they would have taken him at 12. Like that's that's what I've heard is like they like that kid that much. And and he's been all right. He's made some plays. Right. He's done stuff to get you excited. Uh, but he is probably like a middle of the pack, probably a top 15 inside linebacker in the NFL. And how valuable is that? I mean, they looked at his athletic traits and got excited. That's yeah. what this, yeah. this, what's what, what they, they do. do. That's what they, they do. do. Yeah. They look at the, that RAS, whatever the hell it is. Um, and that's kind of what they base off everything off of kind of going forward. And uh, I think it was uh, Troy Aikman. Was it last week of Monday Night Football? Was it the Lions game last week, Monday Night Football? Um, I, I think mm, it was in it was post game after the Lions last Monday night game, whenever that was, or Sunday night game. Uh, and it was Aikman, so I guess it would have been yeah, Monday night Aikman. Uh, they're doing their post game wrap up, and the Packers didn't play, weren't playing the Lions, and they bring up the production meeting they had with Matt Lafleur the previous week, and they're like, you know, we just talked to Matt Lafleur last time we had the Packers, and you know he was talking about in this league, if you look at the really good teams, they're all really fast and. In order to compete anymore in this league, you just have to be really, really fast. And then he used that as a jump off to talk about the Lions and how they've increased their team speed on defense, how they've increased their team speed on offense by getting Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, that was a big Jameer Gibbs breakout game, I think. It was after that mm-hmm. one. And he kind of used that to compare to LaFleur. And then you look at kind of what they've been doing in the draft, and it does kind of sync up as far as what they've been wanting on offense and how they've been building that with Luke Musgrave, the tight end prospect, and so forth. And it feels like that's kind of where we're going, which it should be for an interesting draft next year if they continue going that way. Because I've been of the belief Aaron Jones is done. But it's hard to argue Aaron Jones being done after you've seen now twice this year when they've used him the correct way and he's been healthy. He is that offense. And without him, and if you're going to put a rookie running back in there, you're... I'm not saying you're asking for trouble, but you're asking for a lot in that first year for it to be successful. Yeah. And I think I, you know, per, I love what the Packers have done in the last two drafts. 
And I don't think they're I don't think the last two drafts are the problem. But you look at 20, 2020 and 2021, and it's really bad. Like fireable type bad. I mean, it's you're hoping if you're still hoping that Jordan Love is a all pro quarterback, that's cool. The 2020 draft could be a hit. And then 2021, you're looking at like Eric Stokes. You know, that's not really his fault. He was great his rookie year, but he hasn't really been healthy since. And then like Slayton is like the other guy that might get a second contract out of that group. That's it. And so I guess that's the good news coming up. If you want to paint the silver lining is they don't have any, now that Rashawn's paid, they don't really have any big contracts coming up because they didn't draft anyone good in the last, you know, or two or three years ago. They got some guys coming up in the last two classes. I think that will be really good football players, but like you mentioned at the top of the show, Goody put themselves in this position. And I think they were hoping that some of these young guys would take huge leaps in year two. And I think some of us even were hoping for that. And it hasn't happened. And that's just, that's why they're what, a three and five football team? Because they are. That's what they look like. They look like a three and five football team. So yeah, here no we doubt. are. There's a couple of plays I want to highlight real quick here. Uh, that run by Reed on the left side where DeGuara and Myers had those lead blocks. Myers got out and pulled and actually blocked somebody. Uh, and DeGuara mm-hmm. blocked. And then Watson had a great seal block on the inside from where he was l- lined up uh, as well. That type of stuff gives you hope that maybe just maybe this little floor, for, little floor offense can work, providing guys do their jobs. And that was one instance where guys actually did their jobs correctly. And you saw what it was supposed to look like. Right. And that's that's what Myers does well and always kind of has. Is He's pretty – he's so athletic in space. But for him, it's just consistency, right? It's nine good plays, and then the play where Aaron Donald just smokes you and blows you up on a third and goal. And it seems like they happen at the most inopportune times with Josh Myers. And that's just kind of where he's at right now. And can he still figure it out? Sure. But what, he's in year three or four? I think he just kind of is what he is at this point. And what that is, is probably someone that they're, if they get, like you mentioned, if they get a tackle in the first round and like the third round and they like both of them, or say Rashid Walker takes that job next year and is, you know, with a year under his belt and is good. Like I think Zach Tom is an all pro center if they kick him inside there, which is too bad because he's also a really good right tackle right now. But, they just seem like they've kind of whiffed on the offensive line for their last couple picks. They didn't take anyone last year. And that's not the Packers that we typically know. And you can get really into the weeds on this too, Sparky, because it's like how much of it is Steno not being in that room anymore. And he's the offensive coordinator. And how much did they foobar that situation where it's like, wow, Stenovich is still probably the best offensive line coach in the NFL. And he's not a very good offensive coordinator. So can you just go to that guy and say, hey, would you mind taking a massive pay cut and a demotion and go back to being an offensive line? No. He he might say, hell yeah, but not here. <laughs> not here. Right. I'm going. I'm leaving somewhere. I'll be someone else's offensive line coach because that's typically how it works. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a situation, too, that sucks, quite frankly. And um, we'll see what they do. I, I think, you know, we'll talk – draft season when we get to it and you can bookmark this right now and this is coming from me who is wide receiver guy we're gonna get we're gonna fall in love with 
Marvin Harrison Jr. and Keon Coleman and uh, the Rome kid out of Washington. And they, I, this Packers team will probably be picking between 7 and 12 again. Like, that's my guess. And one of those guys will be available. No, I, no. And they're, no, no. And they're taking, the they're taking no. a, they're taking a tackle. Yes. That's what's what they should happen. do. That, yes. And so that, and, but that's, and the thing is too, this is a really good, so this is a, a really good two things draft coming up and I, we can't get out of here without me talking a little draft. I'm fine with it. But the offensive tackle group is really, really deep and the wide receiver group is really, really deep. So what does that tell you? The Packers are taking a tackle early and they'll take their wide receiver in the second round and you'll probably be good, you know, and that's, that's just kind of the Packers way. Um, but it's not going to stop us. I'm telling you, it's not going to stop me or a lot of Packers fans from falling in love with like a Keon Coleman, who probably is going to go in that range uh, of that top 12. He's going to be the guy right behind Marvin, I think. But a long, long way to go before we get there. But uh, we also got to see what the what the quarterback does down the stretch here, too, because if if he plays like he did today, they might have a tougher decision to make because I, I thought he played well today. There is no tough decision. Listen, I'll t- I'll call my shot right now. That dude's getting a three-year contract extension at the end of this year for fifteen to twenty million dollars a year, and he's going to sign it and be happy with it and move on. That's how this is going to put him. And I looked this up. I will probably put him somewhere around twelve to fifteen, whatever mm-hmm. that number is. That's where he'll end up signing for at the end of this year to solidify that he's the quarterback. I don't want to hear any of this other crap about us drafting another quarterback early and he's going to grow with our wide receiving core. And this is how we're going to do it. And then we're going to draft two tackles to try and protect his ass going forward. And that's it. I don't think me personally, unless this dude throws like 15 interceptions in the second half of the year, I don't think there's any chance that Brian Gutekunst is even thinking about (laughs) drafting a quarterback in the first round next year. No way. I don't, um, maybe. I don't know. He was not very committal to him at his presser two like three days yeah, ago. Yeah, I watched that. That got blown out of proportion. They asked but him how about he, the offensive he, Jordan just, Love. He said, well, you know, we gotta they gotta show me something in the next 10 weeks, is pretty much what but, he said. Well, he's not wrong. He's not wrong about that either. Like that's we all need to see it. But if he plays like he did today, and I've gone from one of Jordan Love's biggest supporters to being very much on the fence to kind of being like, I don't know. And that's why I don't make those decisions because I am just a guy sitting over here. That's probably makes decisions too quickly on stuff like that. But some of the deep ball accuracy stuff is, is really, really frustrating. And I don't know how that gets fixed. I don't know if that is just like a layup thing or like he's got the yips or whatever it might be, um, but it needs to get better. It, it just has to, you're not a starting mm-hmm. NFL quarterback. If you can't hit like the throw to Watson that he underthrew by eight yards again today, like, you're not a starting NFL quarterback if you cannot hit those throws consistently. Like I get missing one, everyone, like everyone will, but you just you got it. And like you said, Watson bailed him out on the other one. Yep. And then went out of the game with a concussion back and neck or whatever yeah, injury. And it's I like that's shocked. that's that's the level of effort that these guys are having to make to make it, you know, to complete a 20 yard pass. Not great. And I feel bad for Christian because he's kind of getting drugged through the mud a little bit on Packers Twitter, but he also can't stay healthy. Him. That's not helping he either. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the other hey. thing he goes up, makes that catch and he's done. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Come yeah. on, man. Get up. We got to finish the game. Come on. And yeah. that to me is what the most frustrating part is. Now I'm with you. If they're at one or two or three and Marvin Harrison jr. Is there, I think they're taking Marvin Harrison jr. But outside yeah. of Marvin Harrison jr. I don't see any chance 
that they don't take an offensive tackle in the first round. Like I would be shocked if it's any other position other than offensive tackle. And there's nobody, again, Jacob Morley is the man when it comes to the draft. I promise you he's the man. You just follow him on Twitter at Jacob Morley, Packer Report and Pack-A-Day Podcast, and it's all good. Jacob, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. Really, really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me, Sparky. You betcha. 